This is the Vinny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Not quite ready. You might be able to tell. I'm winging it. Um, trying to load something on the internet, and it's a bit slow. I shouldn't say that, because I think we're, um, we're Bell Media, aren't we? So it probably doesn't make us look good. I'm sure it was human error, and definitely not the lightning speed of the, I would say, the best organisation in the world, Bell Media. Um, transparently biased, it's the Vinnie White Show. Uh, hello, my name is Vinny, because it's the Vinny White Show. I mean, you know, there are there is some logic to it. It's on for an hour. It's um, There's a bald man pressing buttons. I feel he doesn't get enough of a thank you. You know, so very sometimes at the end of the show I say thanks to Elliot, but I often forget in the hubbub and the rush of things. So let's get that out of the way now. Um, Elliot's pressing buttons on the other side of the screen. Hello, Elliot. Hello. And uh, look at that, phone's ringing already. Haven't even given the number out. That's how popular we are. Unbelievable. It's obviously my mother, but that doesn't matter. You can phone this show, should you feel the need, even if you're not a parent of mine. 416-872-1010 on the phone. And you can text the show on 71010. Terribly clever. You just get your cell phone out, type a little message, pop it over to 71010, and if, uh, if it's mildly amusing or reasonably nice, then I might read it out. If it's hateful and scornful, I'll pop you in the old garbage can. Um, and you can also phone the show on um, Star Talk 8255, right? Star 8255, same thing. And there's other ways as well, but it's all terribly boring if I read them all out. So let's get, get it done very quickly. Facebook, Vinnie White. Twitter, Vinnie White. Bizarre spelling, bizarre name. No, I'm not Italian. Vinnie. V-I-N-N-E-Y. Sufficiently dull, but now the show takes an upswing as we... Look at what we're going to discuss. Relationships. Bloody awful, aren't they? Big, fat, stupid waste of time and space. What's the point? Why are we persistent on going through this pain and heartache and sorrow? Disgusting waste of time. And even if you go gay, you've still got problems. Some would argue even more. What are we going to do? Well, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to fix everything. Yep, overpromise. Underdeliver. That's my philosophy. If you've got problems, or even if you haven't, you probably will have, because that's how relationships work, and we're going to fix them. Am I going to get a trained professional in? No! I'm going to tackle it all on my own. What could possibly go wrong? No, I've got some advice from um, Alan Dubotin. He's a brilliant philosopher. If you haven't heard of him, you really need to get involved. There's um, a fantastic YouTube channel called School of Life. Alan Dubotin is a philosopher himself and he, he aggregates information in a simplistic and understandable way from the greats such as Socrates and Aristotle and all those guys that were really clever and stuff. Um, so we'll be looking at his take on relationships a little bit later on and uh, what else we'll be doing? We'll be discussing this week's news. It's Vinny's views of this week's news. Um, we're going to talk about the latest fad uh, which is men setting themselves on fire. Did you get that clip Elliot? I sent you that did I? You got that ready to go? God he's good. All that with a bald head. I think it makes them quicker. And um, if I get time, I also want to talk about boring conversations. I was stuck in a, in a restaurant today next to one, and it led me to do some research on what is wrong with people. And actually, there's quite a surprising amount of literature on the subject. So I can um, read out a new, are you boring? And 
<laughs> if you, I don't think you are because you listen to this. I think you're, you're lovely and dear to my heart. And I don't think boring people listen to this show. They certainly don't call in. That I know. Um, but uh, if you're worried you're boring or if you want to know what a boring person is, then there is actually scientific research on the matter. I had no idea. So um, if you want to know if you're boring oh, and if you want to know what you can do to avert boring people, then all that's coming up. First of all, I uh, what am I going to do first? I'll just talk about this. When I was coming in today, I saw the weirdest thing. You know, like the, Toronto, if you've just arrived in Toronto, by the way, and you're thinking, this is the ugliest city I've ever seen, it does get better soon, honestly. The shoots, I saw the shoots of a tulip or something, daffodil, who knows at this stage, popping their little head out in optimistic love for a new world that will be upon us soon but admittedly at the moment yes it's essentially just a lot of dirt salt and dog poo it's not always like this that should be i work for the toronto tourist board of course toronto it's not always smelling of dog poo um so if you have just arrived hang in here you know there's a lot of good i'm here i mean that's not really a promotion in any way but you know Elliot's here and he's a beautiful specimen actually speaking beautiful specimens the clothes are coming off aren't they I mean I hate to sound pervy but uh you forget how good looking people are I'll do it every single winter the layers are coming off strike me down um but on the way in I saw a homeless man with a bottle of Fiji mineral water when did that start happening homeless man bottle of Fiji so here's a man who can't afford to live in a house, may sadly have mental health issues or addiction problems, has fallen through the cracks of society. He's living in a box on a vent, but here he is with a bottle of water from Fiji. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, he's a connoisseur, I mean. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's homeless. I will not drink riffraff. Yeah, a bottle of water that's travelled, I looked it up, 12,350 kilometres. That's how far that bottle of water's come. That's 7,674 miles for our American listeners. Uh, yeah, that bottle's come all that way. To get to a country that, by the way, has more fresh water than any other country in the world and has one of the highest standards of tap water known on Earth. But the, the homeless people are drinking Fiji, which is what? It's about 350 a bottle in it. It's just, and, and guess where he was? Couldn't make this up. King West! Even the homeless people in King West are drinking Fiji. I bet he's got a Ferrari. I would assume it was bought from Starbucks because I know they sell Fiji. Which, by the way, if you do buy Fiji, come on, man. I mean, even if you're just one of these people that believes that the world's not getting hotter and everything's going to be all right because global warming is a big fallacy, you must admit it's absolutely idiotic to be buying mineral water from Fiji when don't you dare try and tell me that you wouldn't notice if I switched it for a bottle of Tim Horton's mineral water. Apart from the obvious shape, of course. I thought that through. So that's that. Um, this week in the news, I was amazed to see the latest craze. Yes, apparently uh, now you want to be um, setting yourself on fire. Yep, man in Australia set himself on fire last night. Um, Elliot, stick that on, will you? This is from last night. It was actually broadcast today. 
last night decided to set himself on fire. Obviously a Buddhist monk in protest, you would say, logically speaking. No, just an idiot. A young man is in hospital after a bizarre stunt at a party in Sydney's northern suburbs early this morning. The 18-year-old allegedly agreed to be set alight with aerosol and flammable liquids and ended up with superficial but excessive burns to his back. The morning after and party host Josh Kilworth was laying low. Is your friend alright? Yeah, he's fine, yeah. A small gathering at his parents' home ended abruptly when a guest was sprayed with aerosol cans and deliberately set on fire for fun. The 18-year-old suffered burns to half his body, mostly his back. Another teen was questioned at DY police station and released. Are you feeling okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm alright. Yeah, a little bit nervous, like, yeah, a little bit anxious. Josh's parents were home and neighbours say the party was by no means out of control, but the circumstances are similar to a dangerous online trend known as the fire challenge. Participants pour a flammable liquid on their body before lighting up. It's hardly a laughing matter and can be deadly. It's very difficult to have sympathy for people doing stupid things. Yeah. Luckily for the victim, his burns are superficial and he's in a stable condition here at Royal North Shore Hospital. He'll be interviewed by police over an apparent moment of teenage silliness when his condition improves. A laugh or a joke is something that you share with your mates. That's not being put in the hospital and not having lifelong consequences with burns and other complications. Australia there. Last night a man set himself on fire for a laugh. What is wrong with us? Or them, I should definitely say. It was only a few weeks ago in the States, wasn't it, during a heavy snowstorm in Boston, that the Boston mayor came on TV to remind people in Boston to stop jumping out of their windows because it could be dangerous. Do you remember that? <laughs> now we have adults in Australia setting themselves on fire without even having the decency to protest something in what's known as the fire challenge. You've got the Boston audio. Go on, stick that on. This was, was a few a, weeks ago. There was a report last night on, I think it was one of the news medias, uh, something going around on Twitter where people are jumping out windows into snowbanks. First of all, it's a foolish thing to do, um, and you could kill yourself. So I'm asking people to stop the nonsense right now when it comes. These are adults jumping out windows, uh, and it, they seem like it was a, a fun thing to do, but you have no idea what's happening. You could jump out a window, an icicle could have fallen off your roof, <laughs> Gone the other way, you jump into the snowbank, and, and, and the re you figure out what happened after that. But uh, I need to, we we're asking people to, to, to act responsibly um, in the city of Boston. This isn't, this isn't Loon Mountain. This is the city of Boston where, we, where we're trying to remove snow off the street. It becomes very dangerous. And the last thing we want to do is have to re report to an emergency call where somebody jumped out the window because they thought it was a funny thing to do. There's the Boston mayor a couple of weeks ago telling the residents of Boston grown adults, to not jump out of their windows because it could be dangerous. I think that's it. I think we can call it a day now. We have hit rock bottom. Until, of course, someone decided to set themselves on fire last night for a laugh. I love, by the way, and I don't know if you noticed that, he says, don't jump out your window <laughs> because when you jump out, an icicle could fall off your roof. <laughs> Yes, that, that could happen. There's also the other thing that you've just jumped out of a third-storey window. There is that as well, aside from the icicles. So I love that. We're obviously idiots, all of us. It's only you and me left, buddy. I can't imagine what's going to be next. How could we beat that?
What's next? The drowning challenge on the internet. That'll be the next one. Kick a police officer in the balls challenge. That's going to come about. I think I could just start it. Let's do that. I might as well take some credit tonight. If you're listening, why not kick a police officer in the balls? The challenge coming to you. Punch a horse. That could be a good challenge. They've got long faces. It's hard to miss. Silly, silly noses. Let's be honest. Who has? Who amongst us hasn't wanted to punch a horse? Run over your friend with a Zamboni challenge. Canadian, you know, you've got to use the tools you've got. Un-ber-fricking-er-leavable. I had to press the dump button. I was covering Mike Bullard uh, this week. The dump bullet button, by the way, is if I or any listeners that call in accidentally swear. Twice we had to press it this week because Mike Bullard's listeners, they've got, they're funny. I'll give them that. But what you need to know is you can't do a joke that dirty at 12.30 in the middle of the day. Filthy, proper filthy. I can't repeat it now after nine. Do you know what? I wouldn't even tell my mother. And she's a mouth like a truck. Right, relationships. Let's get down to some uh, some decent business. Oh, by the way, as I said earlier, if you want to text in, uh, you can do about anything. Or phone in whenever you want. 416-872-1010. If I've got time to take the call, I will. Or you can always text in at 71010. Um, <laughs> someone's written something really harsh. I'll read it out. Did they have the decency to die and remove themselves from the human gene pool after lighting themselves aflame? Says James. <laughs> it is a bit Darwinian if they did pop off, isn't it? I mean, I think we'd probably be all right without them, is all I'm saying. I've kind of, I'm on your side, James. Right, relationship time. Uh, are you in one? Would you like one? Have you been chasing one? Well, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I've decided that I'm going to help you with your relationships. This week, I've been doing extensive research and I think I can support you in what you need. If you're looking for a relationship and you're finding it difficult, I think I can support you. I think I can steer you in the right direction about your expectations. If you're in a relationship and it doesn't seem to be going well and you feel guilty that you picked the wrong person, again, I'm going to help you. So tonight is um, is the relationship night. So pop yourself open a bottle of wine. Hmm? Lounge back and just listen to the advice that I'm going to give you. First of all, of course, we need to realise... That a new relationship is a splendid and delightful, beautiful and warming thing. The thing that we're all chasing. The acts of poetry. The acts of song. What millions of us spend millions of dollars. Dining. Internet surfing. Desperately clicking. Speed dating. There's even a facility where you can go and smell other people's clothes and pick them by the smell of their clothes now. Whew. Not their underwear. It's not. I'm sure that exists in Japan. So what you need is an audio guide to the new relationship. If you're in a new relationship, or perhaps you're lucky enough to about to be, then wouldn't it be nice if you could understand what it all means? And tonight, you can. The most exciting moments of a new relationship. You need no one else. Everyone else is... So stupid when you're with that new, exciting, vibrant person. Play fighting for fun is wonderful. Singing them a lullaby from your childhood happens as you embrace the warm, soft hand as you walk down the road. Signs of their practical life before you came on the scene are enough to make you laugh. 
looking at old photographs of them. Sometimes the simple moments, just hanging out and seeing how attractive your partner looks in that old t-shirt. Spending quality time together. Their moo-moo and your boo-boo when you start a new relationship. All of the sex is happening all of the time, in every possible position. Every fantasy can be shared with a new partner, even the far out ones. You can walk down the road with your hand in the back of their jeans pocket. You can discover their part of the city. In a new relationship, you can enjoy each other's sensual side, but also you can get into their passions. You need only them. Living on a bench would be okay, as long as you're with them. Chatting about your lives two, three, four o'clock in the morning is normal. When you tell them the crap stuff from their past and your past, you both listen to each other. Pigging out together is amazing. Junk food tastes better with a new loved one. The most exciting thing about a new relationship is not so much that it's them, it's that it's new. Enjoy it. It lasts about six months. Then you find out that your new partner doesn't pay their taxes on time, leaves the cap off the toothpaste, leaves clothes on the floor, is really fussy about the way you leave the toilet seat. Their mother's annoying and ugly. They enjoy horrific music that you find so depressing it makes you emotionally angry. They fart, they do really annoying thing with their teeth. Bloody annoying, those. Their sex drive is as predictable as a drunken cyclist. They keep buying the crappiest cereals. Their geographic knowledge is so poor that you wonder if they've even ever managed to survive on their own. They're selfish, they're dishonest, they're so bad at cooking they seem to be able to burn water. They get fat, they lose their hair. And they weirdly end up looking like the dog you bought together. The dog you bought to save the Doom relationship in its inevitable, heartbreaking, painful, gutless end. What's the point? What's the point? Well, maybe you've married the wrong person. Or maybe you're with the wrong person. Maybe you're thinking, this can't be it. Is this the stuff of poetry and dreams? Me and this hideous lump, this waste of space. Well, don't worry, because I have the advice for you. You might feel like you married the wrong person. You might feel like you're going to wrong the married person. You're marrying the wrong person. Well, yes, you did. You did marry the wrong person. You absolutely, definitely did. But it's not your fault. We're desperate to avoid it, of course, but we won't for a lot of very good reasons. Firstly, we don't understand ourselves. We're all crazy in very particular ways, neurotic, unbalanced and immature. But we don't know the details because no one encourages us too hard to find out. Our friends just want to be kind and have fun with us. Our enemies don't want to waste the trouble. So we end up with such a poor level of self-understanding. We have no clue of who we'd be compatible with. A standard question on any early dinner date should simply be, how are you mad? But it's so hard to know. Secondly, we don't understand other people. It's as hard to work out the craziness of other people as it is our own. They put on such a good show at first. What we'd ideally need is to send them and us through a battery of psychological questionnaires and have four years of intensive psychotherapy, individuals and couples based, before reaching a decision. By 2100, this will no longer sound like a joke. People will merely wonder why it took humanity so long to get us here. 
the answer used to being happy. We think we want happiness, but what we really want is what we're used to, and that usually doesn't involve too much happiness at all. Growing up, most of us had our love mixed in with other, darker stuff, being controlled, feeling humiliated, being abandoned or abused, in short, suffering. And now, whatever we may say, that's what we're mostly still on the lookout for. It explains why we rejected all those candidates, the well-balanced, mature, reliable ones, as somehow a bit boring, and why we head instead with secret energy to those characters we unconsciously know will mess us up in such cosily familiar ways. For being single is so awful. You have to be very at peace with empty Saturday evenings, constant alienation and sexlessness in order to be choosy in the right way. No wonder most of us just half shut our eyes and grab what's there. Five, instinct has too much prestige. Marriage used to be a rational business, all to do with your parents matching their bit of land with the neighbours. It was horribly cold and calculating. So now we have romantic marriages. It's meant to be all about how you feel. You should never think too much. To analyse the decision immediately feels unromantic. Indeed, the most romantic thing to do may just be to propose really suddenly, perhaps after only a few weeks in a chapel in Vegas at 3am. The madness seems a paradoxical sign that the marriage itself will be a sensible idea. It won't be. 6. We don't go to schools of love. We don't have any information. We don't take classes. We don't talk to married couples. And we steer very clear of divorced ones. So we go into it without knowing why marriages really fail, beyond what we take to be just the simple stupidity of all those other couples we're not like at all. 7. Freezing happiness. You want to make nice things permanent. You're in Venice, on the lagoon, with no responsibilities. The evening sun throwing gold flakes across the sea. The prospect of dinner in a little fish restaurant. And your beloved in a cashmere jumper in your arms. You get married to make that feeling permanent. But it all goes, and what is really permanent is the partner. But now, in a very different mood. 8. You want to stop thinking about love. It's such a pain, the heartache, the dating, the one-night stands. You want shot of it all. You marry to stop having to think about love all the time. All of which is why you'll marry the wrong person, or perhaps have done so already. But it's not really your fault. No one ever teaches us how to do this thing, and so of course we crash. We will, as a species, eventually learn. The careless madness can't go on. Too many people get hurt. In a few centuries, at least, we'll be getting the hang of it, for sure. Well, I hope I'm cheering you up. <laughs> you know, Sunday night's always a bit melancholy at the best of times. I think just telling you that you're completely and utterly doomed without any question is definitely going to pop that little cherry on the cake, isn't it? Everyone cheerful? Yeah? Cracking. Everyone all right now? I think I fixed that. Positive, isn't it? 7, 10, 10. Feel better? No, not really! Well, I might just have the answer for you. I'm really? It's all about expectations, you see. And the man you heard speaking there is a philosopher called Alain Dubotin. He has this amazing thing called the school of life. His philosophy, as a philosopher, is that we learn... Not really what we need to learn. After all, do you remember when you were at school and someone said, tomorrow we're going to learn how to have a relationship, how to talk to your difficult mother, how to deal with people with mental illnesses, how to get through a difficult job interview, but then not only that, how to survive in the job with people that you just cannot stand. 
All the stuff that we have to deal with every day. Well, Alan thinks that there should be a school of life. It's got nothing to do with religion. In fact, it's absolutely, specifically, definitely pushed away from any form of religion as an atheist. And he thinks that some of the solutions actually are about just twisting your expectations. So, you want to know how you can win at this whole relationship game? Well, ultimately, be pessimistic. It's easy to be pessimistic about many things. The state of the planet. The economy. The future of humanity. And yet, there's one area where many of us retain a curious sense of optimism. We have faith that, from among the millions of our fellow human beings out there, we will one day be able to locate a very special person. A being uniquely well-suited to our temperaments, tastes and aspirations. Someone who will feel like the missing bit of the complicated jigsaw of our deep selves. Someone who can make us whole. We know it won't be easy to find them. So many people seem nice at first, and then the problems emerge. It turns out they have a very annoying sister, or they're far too nervous about things, always insisting on arriving at the airport three hours too early. Or they have appalling taste in music. Or their conversation after a long day at work leaves a lot to be desired. That's why we keep searching, calling for more space, taking a break, getting divorced, scrolling through future possibilities online. And though it seems like we must be very romantic to put such effort into finding the right person, in truth, our perpetual search is really a refusal of love. It is a guarantee that we can never succeed at relationships because, in the end, the deep secret to love is that there is no right person. There are perfect beings. We can imagine them very clearly, but, tragically, they exist only in the upper atmosphere and never down here on Earth. It's the insistence on people being right that's at the root of rage and intolerance, for we are never more furious than when we believe we had signed up to perfection. And given what the human animal is like, we can be guaranteed always to find something that isn't entirely right. To be really romantic, truly committed to what love requires, we need a vital and rarely mentioned quality. A healthy dose of pessimism. Pessimism about what even the most perfect seeming person will really be like once one gets to know them. And with that pessimism comes forgiveness for the inevitably very long range of flaws that we'll discover in them. And they will, of course, discover in us. An optimistic search for the perfect person commits us, eventually, to throwing away everyone we're ever likely to meet. Yet in truth, the person who is really best suited to us is not the person who shares all our tastes, but the person who negotiates differences in taste intelligently and wisely. Compatibility is an achievement of love. It can't be its precondition. To be able to love properly, we have to attend a funeral first. We have to bury a lot of our hopes deep in the ground. That funeral is the most romantic thing we could ever do. It will liberate us to go back out into the world and have proper human relationships that can endure and flourish. Mm, there is hope!
Give them a cuddle tonight if they're in your life. Go on. And if you're searching, just drop your expectations a bit. You know that fella that you said you'd never go out with again with a beer belly? He's all right. You know, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not saying that you couldn't do better. I know you could, but, you know, just go for him. Probably won't last that long anyway. <laughs> I'm not helping, am I? I'm not helping. Oh, dear. So I hope that helps someone. It is fantastic. I have to say, if you ever get the opportunity, I don't like pushing people on the internet because I love radio so dearly, but the School of Life YouTube channel will change your life, hopefully for the better. And on that note, do you know that in Japan this week, I read Japan's government wants to encourage matchmaking events in order to boost the country's low birth rate. Yeah, local authorities will get government support in Japan this week. It was announced if they uh, organise speed dating or other forms of matchmaking. According to a draft policy outlining measures to increase the number of people having children, uh, the plan is expected to be approved by the Japan, uh, Japan's cabinet uh, before the end of March because uh, they don't have enough kids and it could be dangerous. They've been, uh, they've been trying to get people to bonk for years in Japan and uh, it doesn't seem to be working. I think they should have a cash incentive, don't you? Cash for smash. Something like that. Money to bonk your honey. Something needs a bit of work. That would be great, wouldn't it? Then you could uh, do a horizontal jog and get your pockets lined. Doesn't get better than that. Whew. I'm moving to Japan. When we come back, we look at uh, a conversation I overheard earlier that was so boring it made me angry and it made me do some research into boring conversations. We fear boredom. And we fear that we can be boring. Uh, let's find out exactly what makes boring and how to combat that. Since I've sorted your love life out, yeah, you're welcome. You're tuned in to The Vinny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hello! Uh, happy Sunday to you. I hope things are going well. I hope you had a good weekend. Spring's slowly on its way, isn't it? It's having a go. It's having a go. Um, we're getting there. Hang in there. It's such a relief. This is something that changes in your inside. Well, I don't know if I, I speak for you on this, but I, I can only speak for myself. There's something that changes inside of me when the spring happens. It's like, it's like, um, you woke up from, <laughs> it's a bit melodramatic, but it's like you woke up from a terrible dream. <laughs> well, it was, wasn't it? Was a bit. At least when I lived in Ottawa, I used to go snowboarding. Here, winter comes along, it's like, right, what have we got? A, ice skating, okay. B, wrap up really warm and go up and down uh, Queen Street and check out some restaurants. All right. C, get hammered in a pub. Nice. Doesn't make you feel so good the next day, but sure. Anything else? Uh, it's not a hobby like knitting. I'll leave it. Let's go to the pub. But now spring's on its way. Oh, just relief. Great. Makes me happy. Makes me happy despite all the irritations in life. You know what annoys me the most is my uh, my Apple computer. Drives me insane. It's so it's so needy. That's like being in a relationship. It's ridiculous. Every every couple of days, a little message pops up. It says uh, it's time to update your Mac. Would you like to do this now? And I'm like, uh, I'm going to click no. And it says, well, do you want to do it in an hour or tomorrow? Where's the option that just says piss off? Where's that? At least a paperclip you could, in Word, you could just tell him to piss off and it hopefully it'd go away for a while. Apple's like, it's like a nagging mother. You haven't called. You haven't updated me. 
Hello, dear, I'm here again. Would you mind clicking the button? So you say, all right, I'll do it now. Just anything from people. Restart. I don't want to restart. How is it 2015 and we have to keep restarting everything? Get on with it. Just click the button and make it work. I don't care what it takes. Most expensive company in the world. Biggest profits ever. Bigger than oil companies. And they're bastards. And uh, (laughs) it's a pretty overall statement, but a fairly true one. I don't think I'm going to get shot for that one. Yeah, needy. Needy Mac. Just turn it off. Use it as a massive paperweight. Tell you what else annoys me. And another thing is um, boring conversations. I had brunch today with a friend of mine in, um, actually might be able to help me, I'm not sure the name of the pub. It's an Irish pub, text it in if you know, because I can't remember what it was called. 71010, it's in Leslieville. Do you know it, Elliot? Is that on the Danforth? No, Leslieville, Queen West, Queen East, sorry. Uh, sorry, eh? No, it's got a Kaylee outside it, if that helps anyone. Text in, because I'd like to give him a shout. Oh, a uh, Kaylee Cottage? It might be. Yeah, it probably is actually, isn't it? Yeah, Kaylee's a big tent, and I think they're using a Mongolian yurt. Yes, that's it. I bl- I'm pr- almost positive that's it. Kaylee I've never, Cottage. I've never been, but I know it's it. Good yeah. boozer. It's nice. I went for brunch there. Had the Irish fry, black black pudding. I haven't had that for, since I lived in England. I don't think. And white pudding. I don't know what that is, but you know, I'll take a gamble. I've eaten a Springbok. What could possibly go wrong at this stage? I think that's what it was actually. <laughs> it might be a wild Irish horse. I'm not sure, but it was. Very lovely. Uh, so I was in there and I was with a friend that I haven't seen for a while. She's a good laugh, so we we're having a good giggle and everything was great. And uh, I chose to avert the daytime boozing. N- not a big fan. Makes me sleepy. I like a nighttime pint. Not a da- You know these ladies at lunch who always do mimosas? And a few of my friends go for the Caesar. Not my bag. Cup of coffee. I know it's, I know, it's not really using a pub as a pub. I'm sure my English friends would be disgusted by me going to a pub and not drinking. But you know what? I'm the bigger man. And uh, so I was in there. It was all right. A good chat and stuff. My mate went for a pee. Or it might have been something else. Let's not go into graphic detail. But she was gone a long time. That's all you need to know. And I was um, subjected to the conversation on the table next to me. I honestly didn't know that people could be that boring. I had absolutely no idea. Are people actually like that? I had no idea that you could be that dull. And I counted. I got slightly obsessed with it, to be honest. Even when she was back, I was listening. Not once did anyone do any form of gag and no one ever laughed. They were in a pub. They were drinking beer. You know, do you know what they were talking about? And honestly, you couldn't make this up. I swear, I overheard this conversation today in a pub, in a good pub that would, if anything, promote good conversation. It's nearly St. Patrick's Day. The Irish are always a giggle. You're in a pub, an Irish pub. It would be hard not to have half a giggle. Not with these guys talking about laundry detergent. Honestly. One of them said, this is the quote of the week. The problem is with heavy bleach is that they can deteriorate the fabric. So I always like to use a fabric um, cleaner that doesn't have a large percentage of bleach compound. And then, of course, the benefit of a, of a good detergent um, is that sometimes you don't even need a fabric softener. But I do use a fabric softener because I like my clothes to be soft. I nearly punched him in the face. I mean, just shut your face. And the thing that got me is the two buddies he was with were like, oh, that's right, Dave, yeah, I like that too. I was like, are you honestly not? At what point? Is this normal for you? Like, do you go out and discuss this? 
I've heard people talk about the latest flyer from Home Depot. What like, did they What did they say about well, it? Was just like, did you get the new flyer from Home Depot? And it's like, man, those screwdrivers are looking good. Like it's, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's legitimate interest, I guess. I don't know. Is it? I, uh, if someone I'm said that nice. to me, I would say the only thing that screwdriver for is any is any good for is driving it through your head. Because that's <laughs> that's what I'm going to have to do with you, Steve. Because you're the most boring man I've ever talked to. It's amazing. Oh, I used to live in Ottawa. This will offend a few people. Pretty boring town. Got to be honest. Everyone works for the government, so they talk about government departments. That was pretty dull. Oh, but fabric softener. They did about half an hour on it. <laughs> I nearly shot myself. When she came back, I actually said to her, you've got to listen to this. And you could see it just freeze over. <laughs> I'd rather someone was sitting next to me saying, Hitler was a good man. I honestly mean that. I would. He was a good man. You know, I'd like someone to say something just disgustingly off like that. He had a good heart, didn't he? Old Hitler. Nice fella. I'd rather hear that than your bull about fabric softener. Which, by the way, I think we can all see. It wasn't aimed at me, so it's a bit cheeky, me actually making this complaint and accusation. But I think if you're going to be in a public space, at least be remotely entertaining. Well, imagine that with a radio show. Coming up after the break, we talk... Uh, let me just have a look. What creosote to use on your fence? That should be good. And then uh, after the news, I saw a bit of fluff in the corner of my room yesterday, and... Uh, I want you to guess what colour it was. Was it A, grey, or just slightly off grey? That coming up on I'm Going to Shoot Myself FM. It would almost be worth having a show, just so we could put them on and ridicule them. Um, so it, it promoted me to look up boring conversations. And I wondered if there was any science behind it, because, as you know, I'm obsessed with science and logic. Um, and some would say an attempt at entertainment myself. And so there's been 11 studies by scientists at the University of Virginia. And they found that participants um, typically did not enjoy spending time alone. So this is just the, the, the need for conversation. Now, this isn't, of course, no shock to anyone. Why do you think that one of the most awful things you can do to a human being uh, is put them in, a, in solitary confinement? Which, by the way, they do in uh, Guantanamo Bay, even though there's no charges against them. And uh, Obama said he was going to close that and never did. Bit of a side point, but one that I always like to remind people of, that he lied when he said he was going to close it, okay? And a lot of people uh, will never be given a trial in what's supposed to be the land of freedom and justice. So cheers for that. If you get, if you make a promise, just stick to it. That's all I'll ask. Anyway, sidebar, but um, annoys me. Uh, people don't like spending time on their own. In fact... What they, these um, studies at the University of Virginia showed that actually, if you leave someone in a room with an electric shock machine, they are more likely to administer electric shocks to themselves instead of being left alone with their thoughts. This is how bad we've got. Most people seem to prefer to be uh, doing something rather than nothing, even if that something is negative, which in this case it is giving yourself an electric shock. Now, conversation can be the best way to fill the void, but also it can be, as I learned today, brutal if it goes wrong. So, seven signs that you might be boring or to pick up on other people that are boring. 
Let's see if we can help you out. Number one. Give us some music there, Elliot. I don't know what that was. What's he doing? See, you should prep this music before we start, Elliot. This will be cut out of the podcast. There's a good chance to tell you, though. If you want to download the podcast, you can go to newstalk1010.com, click on Vinnie White, follow the links, download the podcast. But not this bit of the podcast, because it will be cut out, because it sounds a bit crap. Good, that'll do. Music. Seven signs you might be boring, or other people are boring. One! Boring people have unbalanced conversations. Instead of finding a rhythm between talking and listening, boring people are either conversational extreme, really. Scientists call this an asymmetry in the conversational give and take, e.g. all listening and no talking, or all talking and no listening. Boring! Number two, spotting boring people. Boring people can't tell if they're being engaged in a conversation. If you're emphatically boring, you're probably missing the other person's body language. People are bored of what you're saying. I have actually had that happen to me. You know when you're talking and the person you're talking to is just like looking around the room and desperately trying to find anything else to do but listen to you. You're listening to News Talk 1010. Boring people can't make people laugh. Yes, this is proven. Humour shows cognitive flexibility, which is why those people in the pub today didn't laugh at all. The ability to assess an idea uh, or an event from a variety of perspectives and then naturally make light of it. Boring people lack it. Boring! When we come back, I'll tell you the rest, but I've got to do a quick break, which is a bit boring. You're tuned in to The Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. That's where you are, and we were halfway through a list of how to spot boring people. I have to say, despite the fact that the University of Virginia did 11 studies with various... Um, uh, what, do I, what do I call them? Not psychiatrists. Um, psychotherapists, that's the one. Um, to discover all these things. Isn't it quite boring? Uh, sorry, isn't it quite um, obvious when people are being boring? But there are traits, in case you wonder if you're boring. I don't think you are, because you listen to the show. But uh, we were going through them all. I'm going to speed it up, because I found it ever so slightly boring myself. I don't know if that's just irony playing with me. Uh, number four, boring people never say anything. That's what they've discovered about boring people. <laughs> Shocker. I'm glad that they're finding the cure to cancer, um, these scientists. Good, isn't it? Yeah, where the loud, boring person believes they are the most interesting person there is, the quiet bore believes it's best to never say anything, because... Who would want to listen to them? These are the ones that reply to every inquiry the same variant of, I don't know, sort of, I guess. Um, no, I'm not sure why I felt the need to do that in, a, in an Americanized accent. Because I know, I'm not saying that American people are boring and UK people aren't. Believe me, if you go to the UK, quite funny, but a lot of us are boring. Present company hopefully excluded. Boring people don't have an opinion, as previously said, yeah. Someone who says that, I don't know, Pol Pot was a nice fella is much more interesting. Now, they may be a nutcase, but not boring. So how do you develop an opinion? Well, by knowing both sides of the argument and looking at it. That would be the best thing to do. Just engage. It's not that hard. Uh, Final two, if you think you might be boring or if you're interested to know what a boring person is. Apparently, boring people don't tell a very good story. Don't they? (laughs) I'm glad that scientists have pulled this one apart. Um... To interest someone and to engage others, you have to tell a story, says a psychotherapist, Dave Cheng of the University of Virginia, and you have to uh, care about that story. 
You have to uh, solicit stories out of others. And you have to care about those stories. Just engage. Just engage. Finally, uh, boring people are absolutely incapable of seeing things from other people's perspectives. Boring people are usually those who can't or won't understand how the conversation is experienced from any other person's perspective. The ability to place oneself in another person's shoes makes someone interesting to talk to. In this way, emotional intelligence is the key to good conversation. Which is why a lot of academics, albeit very clever, are, in fact, boring. So there you are. I mean, most of it was fairly obvious. I think, really, you don't need this study. If you find yourself nodding off at someone with a monotone voice, then the chances are they're boring. But you can always solicit a bit more out of them by trying to engage them. And uh, I leave you with this story, which is very much the opposite of boring, because I love it. This week, Vinny's views on this week's news ends with this little peach. Police this week are investigating a plan to smuggle thieving dwarf out of the out of the UK in luggage. I'll say it again. Police are investigating how to plan... Uh, someone tried to plan to smuggle a thieving dwarf out of the UK in luggage. Now, that's not boring. That's better than fabric softener, isn't it? Why aren't they talking about that? You can't tell me if he went, do you know what, I've done enough of this bleach-themed washing powder conversation. Do you hear about that uh, the little fella? that they tried to smuggle outside the UK in a suitcase. Do you hear about that? I'm listening. You've got me. UK-based Romanian Doru Apete posted a Facebook message to people in his homeland asking them to help smuggle the man known as the midget out of the country. Writing to a closed group of Romanians that's monitored by police... The 36-year-old posted, Good evening. I've got a midget friend. He's 38 inches tall. He's stolen quite a lot of stuff here in and around London, and I need to smuggle him back to Romania. Would anyone be willing to take him in a suitcase? I'll pay you. Absolute gold. There you go. If you think you're boring someone, give him some of that. Apparently, uh, he wasn't smuggled out of the country because police intercepted the plan. It's been an honour. It really has. I hope you've learnt something. I doubt very much you have, but it's, you know, it's, it's always nice to attempt these things. Uh, I'll be back next Sunday. And they've got a few weeks off. I know I'm a lazy bastard, but I'll, uh, I'll put a bit of work in next week. Um, so I'll see you back here at 9 o'clock. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Ta-da.